So for this week's episode, I'm joined by James Lawler from Narrative 4. James, how are you getting on? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks very much for inviting me on to the podcast. Thanks for coming in. So what exactly is your title again with Narrative 4? I'm the regional director of Narrative 4 Ireland. So for uh, people listening, um, I I know a bit about what Narrative 4 does, but not everyone listening will know. So if you could just give a brief overview. So Narrative 4 Ireland, we're based on O'Connell Street in Limerick, and uh, essentially... It's a program for young people and it's a program that um, that covers kind of youth mental health and um, essentially we um, are we use stories to get people to for young people to connect and to gain perspective and see their own lives and the lives of others in a new way um, it's an evidence-based program that was began in the united states and we established a program here in limerick in 2016 so we're into our third year now uh, you just released your first annual report and things are looking positive i think yeah uh, like last year we last year we won an award from social innovation fund ireland um, their youth mental health board that recognized the innovation of the program um, so like at the moment i think we're in 32 schools and how we operate is that we we train teachers in this method that we've developed um and then the teachers run it with their young people. We, and we work with youth workers as well. So it's secondary school teachers and youth workers. And what it does essentially is for, it builds uh, for you, it builds kind of support among the young, young people. I suppose at the moment we're living in a very hyper-connected world. But there's a lot of young people and a lot of people feeling very disconnected in yeah. that. So this program um, kind of recalibrates and gets people to focus on that connection. And uh, our program, it's, it's a process known as the story exchange, where the young people, they craft a story, just a true story from their lives. So it could be a, a story that's important to them. And their teacher helps them over a number of weeks to help this story, to, to craft this story. And they also start looking at, uh, they also do activities uh, linked to listening, kind of neglect the skill sets. And like, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. what does it mean to be a great listener in, in this world? And how a good listener uh, can actually just you know you feel sometimes you feel great after after you talk to a friend or a, a person who's a good listener is just such a, a great asset and but they're kind of skills that are overlooked in the modern age like you were saying like a lot of conversations run through text nowadays you know yeah so you don't you don't have that one-on-one conversation as much yeah yeah and sometimes yeah over text things can get misinterpreted or yeah um, and then the, the so yeah, and then the program that the young people they they have their story, and then they take part in a story exchange where they're paired up with someone in their class, and uh, they tell each other their stories, and then knowing that they really have to listen because later on the teacher will con- reconvene them in a large circle, and uh, they would tell the story of their other person. So if I I would tell your story and you would tell mine, but I would tell it in the first person, so I'd become you. I'd say hi. My name is Keen. When I was 10 years of age, this happened to me. This this happened to me. And what it does is it breaks down barriers. Um, it fosters empathy between people, not only between the pairs, but everyone in the group. And it addresses isolation because we kind of realize that everything we've been through, someone else has been through it. And, it's, and, it, it, and there's a power in that. There's a power in stories. You know, sometimes um, I don't think... Uh, I think we're starting to realize that, the power of story. Yeah. But it's something that hasn't maybe hasn't been the power of it hasn't been uh, realized uh, until recently i think and uh, I, I was at one of these story exchanges before so two years ago narrative four did a, an adult story exchange yeah so a, a group of us got together and one thing i noticed was so i told my story 
And while I was telling it to a stranger, I was thinking of my story in one way, but hearing it told back to me, I looked on that story completely different by the the way they took up the story. You know, so so they obviously had their feelings towards what the story meant to me and obviously what what it brought to them. And then hearing that back, it made me look at things differently, not not just about this person that I just met, but also something that happened in my life, you know. And uh, I think it took a bit of courage as well to stand up and tell someone else's story because you do feel a bit of pressure, I think. Yeah, um, there is, you know, I think the way our world is set up at the moment, um, you know, it it takes, it does take courage to reveal something about yourself. And, you know, it's not about, I suppose, revealing, like we always say to young people, it's not about revealing your, your innermost secrets. It's just revealing something about you that's yeah. important. Um, but, yeah, like there is, when you hear your story being relayed by somebody else, you do get perspective. I remember the first time I did it, it was with a young person um, in New York. Because this program, you know, it's 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 well more more established in the United States and in eighteen U.S. states. And when he was retelling my story, he just retold my story, um, where he said this story is about change and how I resist it. And the story I had told, I hadn't thought about it in that way. And all of a sudden, I got something from that, and it was like, yeah, you're right. This story is about change and about how I resist it. Um, and there's a real yeah it's there's a power like there's there is there is a power in that and i've seen it i suppose i've been in this job for five years now uh, even before we, we set up you know it was i was um there was some pre-work to set up the the company uh, and some of the most powerful things i've seen is even where young people where they're telling the story i remember w- one time we were in a, a secondary school in limerick and uh there was a student who who was trans and it was a it was a, a another classmate was telling telling the, the 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 student's story, and he stopped in the middle of it. And he was like, "I've never realized how, this is so hard." Like he paused and he he struggled to tell the story. He was like, "This is hard. All those things you have to go through." And in that moment, that student who was trans like felt hard, and he kept you know like after um, after the story exchange, he said he had never felt listened to in a way that, until now. Yeah, that someone acknowledged that his past was was hard and it took that process for someone i suppose to step into his shoes and realize like and and that had a profound impact on him but also on his classmates you know well there is that old saying of a walk a mile in someone's shoes and the way the stories are told so it's all in first person so like you said if you were telling my story you'd say i'm keen this happened to me when i was 10 and that obviously puts someone in a different mindset while they're telling the story yeah, and like we don't get to do that like very often. Like we yeah. never get to do that. So, not in yeah. public, anyway. Not in public. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so the story exchange—you mentioned it's in the states. Yeah. But there has been a, like a, a connection between the Irish setup and the one in the states where there's been exchanges done. Yeah. Um, so the sort the narrative four was established in the United States in like 2012. And it was set up by writers, um, writers called Colin McCann and a, and a woman called Lisa Consiglio. Um, and they had this technique of, of walking, of the story exchange. It's an actor's technique. Um, but they had applied it to um, to a project, a literary project with young people. And they're just seeing the impact of it and the power of it and how young people wanted to do it more and more. Like once they did it, like it just had this like profound impact on the, on the group. So they registered the name Narrative 4 actually in December 2012. In the same month, um, I suppose they had their program, but they were in no schools yet. 
And in the same month, um, there was a terrible tragedy that happened in the United States called the Sandy Hook Elementary yeah. shooting, where um, I think over 26-year-olds were killed in their classroom um, in, in Connecticut. And um, one, uh, this teacher called Lee Keylock, who worked in Newtown High School, which they shared uh, a lot, um, he wrote to Colin McCann. He, he, so he had... They'd heard the gun for. He'd been on lockdown for three hours, and um, a lot of the kids in his classroom, where he was locked in the classroom for three hours, a lot of them, their parents were teachers, or their parents were working in the, the next door primary school, or they had younger siblings yeah. there. So it was a big. It was it was a, a day that I suppose left its mark among you know with thousands of people in that town. So Lee wrote to Colin McCann. He had read Let the Great War Spin, and he wanted every student in his in the school to read the book because it's a great book about returning from trauma uh, in the aftermath of that and he was looking for ways to help his students and also of course the high school you know um, the shooter the shooter that was the, the, the shooter was uh, a former student of the high school and um, I suppose Lee was looking for a way that how could he help students like how could he help students and Colm got that letter and uh said it was the most important letter he had ever got in his life and he arrived up to Sandy Hook or up to Newtown um, school and he spoke with all the students and he told them that they were setting up this organisation he told Lee and they did their first kind of story exchanges in those schools and for the next year Lee did it with every student in that school numerous times and um, it, I suppose it was a tool that he was looking for to make so that no one falls through the cracks again um, so you build a school community more on building the social emotional skills and building that sense of connection and belonging. Um, Try to have every story heard, really, isn't have it? Have every story yeah. heard, yeah, not for young people to fall through the cracks because yeah. currently in our system, people fall through the cracks all the time, you know. Um, well, you mentioned that uh, the person who was trans never yeah. having their story heard before. Yeah. And that just goes to show you how, how well it does work. Yeah, because being a teenager is hard, you know, yeah. it's really difficult. Um, peer, you know, that peer uh, judgment is a big thing that really impacts your life. So I suppose this is an intervention that gets young people to maybe reevaluate that and kind of look at uh, building kind of uh, changing the culture yeah. around, around how young people interact with each other. Um, and Lee now is like a, he's he's the director of global programs. Narrative Four hired him, and he was the first hire, and he's been leading this, and he's really driven by that mission of, of of like leaving no child behind, and that you know high school or secondary school is a really tough time, um, and he's been like instrumental in developing the program across like eighteen U.S. states. Wow! And uh, like studies have been done on it in the United States, where schools that run this programs. You know, bullying is less uh, positive. Dev the students show more positive emotions um, because they feel that connection piece and they feel like they're, they belong and they feel heard, do you know. And uh, how did you yourself get involved? So Narrative Ford, it actually came to Limerick quite early on. So one of the founders, I said... This is the European hub, is in Limerick? Isn't European it? hub, yeah. So Colin McCann had heard about Limerick being city of culture in, in uh, 2014. And they came here, uh, and it was a project of Limerick City of Culture, and we got €5,000 from Limerick City of Culture, which 
was fantastic and I got asked to be uh, involved and we ran it between two schools here in the city and I just thought that it would be in like an eight-week project and um, after we did the project it was on St. Patrick's Day in 2014 and we got in, invited they were having a, a summit uh, in the United States and we got to bring some young people from CPS school in Sexton Street and also Nano Nagel um, school on Sexton Street over to meet uh, with other teachers and young people and writers in in June and it's just from there um, I, I got hired and I got tasked with setting up uh, an Irish uh, operation an Irish charity and um, with, with a hope that this might expand beyond Ireland and to be, look at other other countries but um, we opened up uh, through Limerick City and County Council and J.P. McManus Benelvin Fund, we actually opened up a space in the heart of Limerick City um, as a programme space for young people to come from nearby schools to do the story exchange. It's a beautiful building as well, isn't it? It's a beautiful yeah. building, yeah. <laughs> that was actually a real highlight of my time um, for the last five years. I got to work with two amazing architects from, from Limerick City, Declan Feeney and Nicky McMahon, and creating that space. Um, and I'm, I'm a really passionate, like, Limerick person. I, I And... Like I love the idea that it's such a visible space. If there's something on in their even, evening times, you know, it's so visible. You can see it. And you always have of, people stopping outside when there's always, a light shining yeah. through. Yeah. <laughs> and it has been part of kind of the revitalization of George and Limerick, like yeah. uh, along with like the Armson House or, or um, even, you know, like Fab Lab. And, yeah, you know, yeah. having kind of bringing cultural activities into these old buildings and repurposes them for the 21st century. A lot of them which otherwise would be vacant, I'd say. Yes, yeah. yeah, like our building was vacant for like 15 years yeah. before we moved There's in. a lot of work to be done on a lot of them, I think, isn't there? Yeah, 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 but they show great possibility and, you know, even like I think we have to reimagine what the city centre can be and I think we've become like advocates for it. You know, I hear so, so many people talking the city centre down all the time that it's full. I'm always hearing it's full of coffee shops or full of charity shops as if that's a negative thing. Yeah. Um, but I think city centres for the 21st century, we just have to, you know, we just have to reimagine what they can be. The people will come to the city centre for culture, you know, and culture, and, and of course, for and shopping. To, to exchange stories. If you're sitting down having a coffee with someone, that, that's very beneficial to community, like, you know. Yeah. I, I know we talk about a lot of coffee spaces and cafes and restaurants and stuff, but that's where people meet and speak. Yeah, I think that's part of the 21st century. Yeah, that's yeah. A, a really important fabric of, of a city centre. Yeah. And I think it's actually a good thing that we have lots of coffee shops. It means that people are coming in and spending their money. I hate when that's peddled out as like a negative yeah. negative thing. Is that, you're, you were a member of Livable Limerick as well? Or? I am, yeah. 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 So um, would the term livable Limerick, so having people live, that, that is living, like, you know? Yeah. Is that what you'd think that's... Yeah, like, and I suppose, like, I, I'm a member of Liverpool, but I also live it. Like, I live in the city centre. Um, I live and I work, you know, my walk to work is, uh, it's a five-minute walk. And, like, I do own a car, but I, I don't need it for work. And there's a freedom to that. Yeah. Um, I bought a, a, a really old house, like, uh, two years ago that was occupied by students for, 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 uh, for like, 20 years. And... Uh, it was um, so. It's a, it's a real fixer upper. Like it has, yeah, yeah, it yeah. has nothing. It has no modern. Uh, it has nothing modern about it. No so mod cons. No <laughs> mod cons. So I've just been actually working on that kind of restoring nice that one. in the spare time, yeah. um, right in the city centre. And uh, 
it's a great place to live and there's a great sense of community and like a lot of my neighbours, uh, I'm 33, but a lot of my neighbours are in their 70s and 80s and uh, it's just been lovely to get to know them. And, and They have their own little community there. Their own little community, yeah. It, yeah. yeah. And look, I'm from, I'm from rural Ireland. People always say, oh, there's more community. There's like, like in, because we live where it's terrace houses, we live close to each other. There's a great sense of community yeah. in the city centre and people look out for each other in ways that, that uh maybe if you're living in the suburbs and you're like you're your own island each house is its own kind of island you don't actually have so and and renovating narrative four would that have inspired you to say yeah i could renovate or do get a fixer upper and you know these are the kind of things that are achievable like you know i love old things like even when i was younger i always like i always loved old houses and like i grew up um i grew up in a very old house i lived with my grandmother i moved in with my grandmother when I was seven um and she lived in this like 150 year old house and I just love old things. So, um, yeah, it was a dream come true to renovate narrative, narrative four and for that to be part of your job and to yeah. be part of you to be into the design process and to keep, you know, to keep that integrity of the building, which I think we have done. Um, but, uh, yeah, I suppose like, um, it did inspire me cause it shows you what can be done, you know? And, um, I always had a, it was actually when I bought the house, one of my friends said, he was like, you were always talking, in secondary school, you were always talking about, about having a red brick house. But of course, there was none in the Castle of West or very little anyway. Uh, so he was like, geez, your dream, your dream came true. So it was always, I suppose, on my, I always just yeah, had, a, had a love for old things and things with stories, I guess, things uh, that yeah. come with a past. And um, that's what you have with have with old things you know they all come with stories and, and that's probably why you got drawn to narrative four the stories yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, a lot's happened with narrative four over the last five years so there is a story exchange between students and that but there's also adults involved now so recently you had an event where some um well-known people from limerick came along to share their stories yeah so we had the likes of Anne blake and uh dan mooney how did those events come about or where did the idea come from yeah so um we run a program called the Narrative for Limerick, uh, and we run it uh, more or less every month. And we run it from our space in O'Connell Street, and where we invite a guest artist to come and uh, they set a team, but just tell stories about Limerick. And uh, the tagline is that like you can come uh, to share to share stories that make Limerick special. Um, and I suppose like Narrative Four being an organisation, you know, headed up by some pretty uh accomplished artist they made a statement i call them a, this could be organization could have been set up in in dublin or anywhere else but they made a statement about limerick because they felt that limerick had had its story to tell and that it i suppose there's a a dominant story being told about limerick that is um that let's be honest is kind of damaging yeah, and it's told negative. from the outside yeah. it's negative I always say when I moved to Limerick, I'm from Waterford originally, so when I moved to Limerick, people were speaking about Waterford the way people in Waterford were speaking about Limerick. And because I lived in both of them, I know that neither of the sides of the stories I heard are true, you know? Yeah. And it, it is mad to see it like that. And Yeah, so like I suppose part of our larger part of, part of our, our larger mood is like to challenge uh yeah, let's challenge it. Like there's more there's more than just one one story and that this is a place I suppose that we've seen where the story has been has been told about it and continues to be told yeah. about it like in, in sometimes in the media and it's um like in the national media and um so this event like it's 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 uh 
this event kind of challenges that and that there's more than one story and that Limerick is actually it's a fantastic place to grow up uh, or to and to live in and to and to and to thrive you know and to exist that it's it's not um it's it's challenging that, that dominant narrative yeah and and you mentioned you're a proud Limerick person and a lot of people that have spoken at those events are proud Limerick people and I think that's something that everyone in Limerick has in common they're all very proud of the county and the city like you know I think that shines true in those events yeah and like I think like it's a very diverse place and sometimes the people we come you know it doesn't mean you have to be from Limerick it could be like people like yourself uh who, who's moved here and you've built build you know building your lives here and um, and it's about like celebrating that and actually like what the story exchange does is coming at it from a different perspective so that people leave with a, a different sense of it um, because stories, you know, these grand narratives have a power. And I call, I, I was thinking about recently, there's a trickle-down effect, you know. And, uh, like, people, if uh, like, the trickle-down effect is people start to believe it. And, you know, there like, uh, there's even been studies on it that places where, where these, where that has a, a negative dominance story, you know, it affects the economics of the area. Yeah. And I think we've seen that, I think Waterford has experienced yeah, that, and certainly definitely. has Limerick, yeah. you know. Um, so how do we change that story and how do we celebrate um, all the great things that are going you know going on here and how do we get the message out um, and that's I suppose that's part of some of the things that we do with like some of our shine a light events. on those positive shine a light, things yeah. positive people in it yeah so uh, James how can people get involved with Narrative 4 so yeah you can so our website is narrative4.com forward slash Ireland and there you can like sign up to our our uh, ma- mailing list you can come to some of our events um if you can uh just keep like we do lots of events um and uh just i suppose to, to spread it if you're if you're a secondary school teacher uh you can get uh, just email us and get involved we run trainings for secondary school teachers on a regular basis or a youth worker if you're more interested just uh give us a call check out our website and, and come in and we'd be happy to speak how with has you. the feedback been from the teachers who've already taken it up because there's 40 something teachers is it that yeah we've 47 teachers and uh, 53 youth workers um have just done the training program it's it's only in the last year we rolled out the training program yeah we've just we've amazing group of of teachers and i suppose schools are moving towards this way now of like of building social and emotional skills and uh, every school has has well-being hours that they have to implement um, and we're getting amazing feedback from our teachers and just when they run this program that the the simplicity of it but also the power of it to connect young people and to give them a different perspective and so yeah and we're, we're growing it all the time uh, we just had a training there in november where we had like a waiting list which we had never done before so yeah it just continues to continues to grow and we're hoping in the next year to have um our first research done on irish uh irish young people that can uh, i suppose will further grow the program because there'll be an irish uh, evidence base to this rather than an american one which which i think both both will be good but it'll just be interesting to to, re- to have the research um from an irish perspective as yeah, well and then that'll help it spread to the uk and central europe as well i'd imagine yeah yeah because we're, we're just done it's going really well. Like we're just after hiring uh, a person called Rory McKernan, who's um, 
job it is to actually uh, grow this even beyond Ireland. And Rory, of course, has an amazing track record in, in youth mental health. Uh, he founded spunout.ie, and it's amazing to bring him on board um, as, a, as a director to 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 help to grow this because we really believe in this and um i suppose we've spent a lot of time uh creating the frameworks for scale you know uh, when i started i remember uh, visiting another organization called fighting words in dublin and i asked the director there i was like how did you how did you grow this organization he said we knocked on one school's door at a time and that's what i've been doing for the last five years started off with one school and i was grown i've grown it to 32 schools but I suppose to, uh, but also building the infrastructure, becoming a registered charity, which takes the time and yeah. and uh, funding and all that. So we've been gearing up for scale because we really want, like our vision is that every school, of the 730 secondary schools in Ireland, that we have like three teachers in each school who are able to delivering story exchanges for their, for their youth. I think that would revolutionize, in my humble opinion, <laughs> <laughs> revolutionize uh, secondary school in in Ireland, you know, if the secondary school was parked, because I've seen it work. I've seen schools where every student does this program and the difference it makes. So that's our vision and that's what gets us up in the morning and that's what drives us. Yeah, well, if it's working for places in the States, why can't it be adopted over here? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, uh, James, thanks very much for joining us. And, thanks uh, very much for Have a good Christmas me. and New Year and everything. You too. Thank best you. of luck with everything. Thank you. You're listening to the We Are Limerick podcast. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and join me each week as we meet the people of Limerick who are making it the place it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news by following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. 